0: This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 1115 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Our reading from the life of Jesus today is found in the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter. Jesus said to the eleven and those who had gathered with them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he withdrew from them, And was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus. Risen and ascended to the right hand of God. Amen. It's exactly that kind of story we just heard that makes most of us uncomfortable. It's the kind of thing you just don't start talking about over at Starbucks and say, let me tell you about Jesus the day he ascended directly into heaven. Metaphysical acts of God, healing, miracles, walking on water, filling the boat full of fish, multiplying the loaves and fishes, but more importantly, incarnation, God being made, made flesh, resurrection, life out of death. And the ascension of Jesus, the day he literally ascended into heaven while his disciples did what we just did, just stood there and watched. It's exactly those kind of stories that make us uncomfortable. If we could just get a little dose of science with that, or historical process or literary criticism, if we could just polish it up a little, and by polish I mean rub it out. Because we can't explain it, because it doesn't make sense to us, because it doesn't have a historical or scientific precedence, it, because there's not a um, cosmology or a scientific worldview to support it, we, um, we find it really hard to believe something like that. And frankly, we act like it never happened. It's not my job to make sense out of the Bible. It took me a long time to understand that. It is not the preacher's job to get rid of the strangeness or the wildness or the difficult in Scripture or to in any way try to explain the inexplicable acts of a gracious and an omnipotent God. When we come to this place and in this pulpit and around this table... We come to proclaim the mystery of faith. We come to proclaim what it is that we believe, uh, not that we explain, but we believe. This story is so mysterious. It really is. And rather than trying to explain it, the church on a day like this gathers to enter into it, to enter into the mystery of this story. Let me give you an example. Um, Of the great festival days of the church, this is probably the least of them, the least known. I'm pretty sure that no one comes to church on Christmas Eve to have someone explain to them the genre of ancient prophetic writings and uh, procreation science. I think you come to enter into the mystery of the incarnation of God. All of which today is for me to say that I'm not going to spend any time, not an ounce of time, explaining the inexplicable, that Jesus ascended into heaven. Frankly, you can watch that on the History Channel. They're a little braver than I am, or maybe Entertainment Tonight or something like that. Instead, what I'm going to do is leave it the way the Scripture says it, that Jesus ascended into heaven pretty much like helium balloons rising. And I'm going to invite you to enter into that mystery and to receive the gift of that mystery. In order to do that, I think you, you have to spend just a little bit of time in the disciple sandals. It is after the resurrection, as our first reading said. It's 40 days, which that's another whole subject. That's literary criticism as well. In all biblical narratives, 40 days means something. But <clears throat> everything had fallen apart for them at the crucifixion of Jesus. Everything. Everything that they thought they would be doing and making happen in the world ended. And suddenly, Jesus rose from the dead. And he began appearing to them and eating with them and walking along the road with them and letting them touch him. And it has been truly great for them, these 40 days. Great, like, like they never want it to end. But then here it comes. This little community of people that had been devastated and now are in such excitement about the presence of Jesus that is with them, that everything is right because Christ has risen and Christ is alive and Christ is among us, that Christ says to them, I'm leaving, and I'm going to the Father where you can't come. And then, he not only says it, he does it. He lifts off before their very eyes, and he disappears, never to be seen in the flesh again. Now, I would submit that that's a second crashing of their hope and a pretty discouraging moment, right? Yeah. But I hope you noticed how the lesson ends. They're not sad. They're not discouraged. They're not distraught. When a story is over, they're not grieving. They're not frightened. They're not depressed. It's not gloom and doom. It's joy and praise and worship together. Something is going on in the mystery of this story. Again, they'd lived to the crucifixion of Jesus. They themselves had deserted Jesus in the courtyard. They grieved for him at the tomb. They hid for days in an upper room. They had done their very best, and they realized that their best isn't going to cut it. They're not going to make it. They can't do it. And then Jesus rose through no power of their own. They didn't raise him. God raised him. They didn't even believe that Jesus could rise from the dead. And yet somehow God had done a new thing among them. Jesus was present. God had done a new thing. Let me just stop there for a moment. It might be the flaw right now in the visioning discernment process at Lord of Life Church. Um, Despite sending out a letter explaining and then saying it every week for a month, I was a little blown away by how many people um, just ignored the first question. The first question was, for a month, let's um, take time and ask ourselves, what has God done among us? How has God blessed us? How has God gifted us? And and frankly, a lot of people immediately went to, here's what I think we ought to do. And it's tempting to think that that might even be the question for this month, but it's not. The question is not, here's what I want or here's what I think we ought to do. A more helpful way might be to think instead of what we want or can do, what is it that you're sensing that God wants to do or that God is going to do through and in this community of faith? And I think that's pretty clear where the disciples were at. In the first reading, which is also written by Luke, the orders mixed up in our hearing today. Uh, First, the Gospel of Luke tells the story of Jesus, and then his second volume, the story of the church, the Acts of the Apostles. But someone starts the whole dialogue in the first reading by asking a very practical question. The question is, Lord, when are you going to bring your kingdom to Israel? I hope you catch the word you because it's a word that they have learned the hard way. Not what are we going to do, but when are you going to bring your kingdom? They'd given up the idea that the coming kingdom of God was something they could do. Jesus says, You know, you're right about that. You don't get to know the time. The timing is the Father's business. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to sit right here. You're going to sit here in Jerusalem. Just sit here and do nothing. And what you're going to do is you're going to receive. You're going to receive my spirit. And I will do that through you. We live in an age and a culture and a nation and a world that is deluded by the notion that everything is not only about us um, but is up to us, is controlled by us. Most of America actually thinks that religion is about believing in God or doing something for God rather than God believing in us and God doing something for us. We have no power. It's one of the songs that we sing often at this worship service, I can't win this battle on my own without the empowering of the Spirit of God that he promises disciples, we can do absolutely nothing. And anything that we try to do that's based on our ideas or our strength or our own vision, not God's, is already doomed. And any program and any policy, any ministry, any congregation, any church, any institution based on its own visions and resources is doomed. Martin Luther said it this way in the Catechism, the kingdom of God comes without our reason, our strength, or our understanding. And those disciples, post-resurrection, they knew that. They had just lived it in the death and resurrection of Jesus. The power is from God. God who can make anything happen. God who can make the impossible possible. Who conquered death and the grave. Now, I'll say this as clearly as I can. Jesus rising into the air, that's small potatoes. Small You think that's something? Let me give you a few more to ponder. By some unknown higher power, someone in this church who has been addicted to alcohol for half of their life suddenly stops drinking and stays stopped drinking one day at a time. And When people ask that person, how did you do it? The first thing they say is, I didn't. I'm powerless. God must have done that. You think the... Ascension is mysterious. Try explaining that. It's Mother's Day. Uh, A mother who's lost a child, a child who's lost a mother, a partner who's lost a partner thinks that they can't face it. It's too hard a journey, it's too unbearable. And so they wake up every morning just afraid that they're going to fall apart in despair. But to their amazement, they do not. They have some sense, mysteriously, that God is with them in their pain, in their suffering. Others can't figure out how they are doing it, how they are holding up, but they do. And not only that, when they look back, it's those proverbial footprints in the sand where you only see gods back there. They know that they didn't do it alone because facing death is not something you can do by yourself. Ascending into clouds versus facing death. Easy. A couple looks back 40, 50, 60 years And as people congratulate them and honor them and thank them and praise them, finally someone asks them, so how did you do it? And they look at each other and they just smile and say, God has been good to us. How do you explain that? So this this ain't the history channel. This is the church. There is no explaining the mighty acts of God's graciousness to the world. And that's probably one of the reasons that, I know it's an odd day, but this is one of my favorite festival days. Because there's nothing you can do but preach it. That's it. I just love how we all stand there and look up. Frankly, we ought to do more of that. How we stand there and just look up and for a moment we get lost. Lost in the, the power and the mystery of God. We believe in a... God that we are powerless to understand, powerless to make sense of, powerless to explain. We believe in a God that is extravagant and radical and relentless beyond our understanding. And at the ascension of Jesus, we remember with those first disciples that that's just the way it is, and that's okay. That's good news. We worship a God who is beyond explanation. We believe, not explain, We worship a God who does what we cannot do, who is a source of all power, who works in mysterious ways, who is victorious over death, who is ascended into heaven, who is seated at the right hand of God, who graciously is going to come back to judge the living and the dead, and whose kingdom is never going to end. And there is no good response to that except, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Guys, it's risen indeed. Hallelujah.